Welcome to the Bible Dialogues podcast and video. Today's topic, Misreading Romans, Episode 0, Introduction. Today is a prequel to Misreading Romans. The series title reflects the, that many aspects of Paul's writings are commonly misunderstood. I present this title as a bit of a tease, but it reflects the realities and the difficulties of understanding what Paul has said. The previous misconceptions do not reflect poorly on the great talent addressing this letter, but rather just shows the challenges due to these difficulties. The understanding of the letter involves the minds of many contributors. Additionally, Paul demonstrates some abstract thinking which often escapes us. I hope to contribute some useful insights, albeit rarer, ideas in the study on Romans today. Look for the Bible Dialogues at the following locations, YouTube at the Bible Dialogues, Podbean, iTunes, iHeart. Let me explain my purpose more. I'm offering some new insight into passages. My findings concern the context of the letter and the original messages. I'm not so focused on applications of the text for today's circumstances. I may appeal most to people who have found the studies on certain NT New Testament books to be deficient in efforts to make sense of the latter. Many things I present will be a bit of a surprise. I basically consider myself conservative to the message of Scripture. I accept the Apostles' Creed and Trinitarian doctrine. I see the only justification of humanity to be through Christ. Some things I share have sort of an urgent correction important for today. Some areas of teaching are just important for understanding of the letters. I'm sharing these videos because the details should be exciting for those who wish to understand the letter to Romans. The video lets me get out the basic ideas without getting deeply involved in my writing. I can get the ideas out faster instead of perhaps not sharing them at all. If our Lord blesses this work, that is his choice. Now the urgent correction is about the likely troubled times we are heading into. A surveillance society, worst depression ever for us, controlled currency system, pharmaceutical companies rushing science for pandemic scenarios, reactions to environmental concerns, increased crime while there is media push against police, and Mark of the Beast. In this hall, we may be told that these things are expected in Revelations 1 through 19. The corrections or warning is against fearing these things as if these are fulfillment of prophecy. Revelation is most likely all first century stuff, except some of Revelation 20, which I hope to share soon. I also suggest we are in an era where Satan is being released or has been released. The premillennium interpretation is therefore unlikely since that we are actually heading to the good situation of Revelation 20 verses 7 to 10. This is a good this is a good thing. This is a good thing because it is the cleansing of the army of the nations or the gathering of the nations. Other areas are important considerations of the context of the letters. Uh, so those topics include the letters to Galatians and Romans and their text messages. Of Galatians and Romans, we might say the important part is mostly about understanding the text in its context. It seems important to overcome the misunderstandings that have been entrenched in the common readings. 
So I have these things to share, especially concerning Galatians, Romans, and Revelation. I'm starting with some episodes on Romans. For those who have not found the explanation of Romans satisfactory, this message should be especially helpful. The letter can be read in a different fashion. I am excited about my findings because they open up the meaning of the whole letter. Maybe it's just myself who then expects that the understanding of various letters in a clarified manner portend a great change in God's plan for us, or a new change. The main reasons I find the traditional explanation of Romans unsatisfactory are uh, that I have a new proposal that the recipients were only Gentiles, that it would not be a problem if Jewish Christians also saw it. The letter then can be read in new light. It can be viewed in the light of a Gentile-only recipients, solving many problems in the letter. The general flow of the letter of previous proposals never provided satisfactory continuity of the letter to me. I am proposing a whole new starting point for reading Romans. This came about especially from reading Romans to understand chapter 6 about the power against the flesh. That chapter is hard to figure out exactly what the message is. This history of my search of the meaning of Romans 6 is a bit unusual. I had for a while looked at Romans 6, 1-2 trying to understand Paul's purpose in speaking of the people continuing in sin. In some discussion forums, some people answered many questions about the Greek word for continuing, especially as it pertains to translation to the English. The passage says, What then shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace might increase? So the continue is a critical word here. The idea involves a constant action of sin rather than the idea as an analogy of going on a trip and stopping in a town for weeks before continuing on a journey. The idea here in Romans 6 is, an idea of constancy, not having a break of sin. Before discussing that a little more, the earliest concern I had is that the proposals of the general flow of the letter had never seemed to me a proper understanding of the letter. They didn't help me understand it. My first Bible as a Christian in college had an outline of the letter included at the start of the letter. I could not match what I read to what I what I read in the outline to what I read in the text. Then a common finding to this day is that Paul is sharing his version of the gospel with the Christians in Rome. That approach did not either fit well with what I read. I expect that my outline and understanding of the letter will prove more satisfying. Each chapter then has at least two problems that can be understood in light of several points. The first, of course, is that the letter's recipients are only Gentile. The next is that the Gentiles were antagonistic toward Jews. This attitude toward Jews reflects how the church in Rome had fallen into grave disarray. The process of obtaining solutions to the problems of each chapter took several years and was not attained by pressured effort. What I mean by this is that the solutions when came when my mind put the pieces together. So, again on Paul's question, should we continue in sin, that initially appears puzzling since it indicates that people never stop sinning. The expected question 
by Paul would be, should we go and sin in order to increase grace? Uh, that wording would have been easier and would have an easier explanation to it. Consequently, the idea of continuing in sin did not fit well for a simple teaching against the abuse of grace. That's the common idea of that passage. James Dunn says that the verb has an overtone of stubborn determination, neither good nor bad in itself. Armortia, the word behind sin, here could have the same sense of sinful action, though the verb can have the force of remaining in the sphere of. The point of done on the stubborn determination is closer to what I propose here. While Dunn takes this more as, as mere material, the point of done on the stubborn determination is closer to what I propose here. While Dunn takes this as more than mere material, the point of done on the stubborn determination is closer to what I propose here. While Dunn takes this as more than mere, I can't say it. The point of done. The point of done on the stubborn determination is closer to that which I propose here. While Dunn takes this as more than mere rhetoric, he says, Paul's formation of the gospel in Romans 5, especially verses 20 to 21, has evidently prominent. The point of Dunn on the stubborn determination is closer to what I propose here. While Dunn takes this as more than mere rhetoric, he says, Paul's formulation of the gospel in Romans 5, especially verses 20 to 21, has evidently prompted, prompted, okay? The point of Dunn on the stubborn determination is closer to what I propose here. While Dunn takes this as more than mere rhetoric, he says, Paul's formulation of the gospel in Romans 5, especially verses 20 to 21, has evidently prompted such rejoinders reflected in 6.1. I don't think that wording, what then shall we say, reflects, reflects, I don't think the wording, what then shall we say, reflects a rejoinder as much as it shows Paul raising the question as a bad proposition. He then rejects that proposition. However, the actual rhetorical approach is more complex, and we won't get into that right now. Schreiner sees this as an issue often raised by Jesus. Schreiner sees this as an issue often raised by Jewish Christians, and even non-Christians. In Romans, uh, his 1998 version, pages 304 to 305, as a common complaint voiced against Paul's gospel. Okay. The point of Dunn on the stubborn determination is closer to what I propose here. While Dunn takes this as more... The point of Dunn on the stubborn determination is closer to what I propose here. While Dunn takes this as more than mere rhetoric, he says, Paul's formulation of the gospel in Romans 5, especially verses 20 to 21, has evidently prompted such rejoinders reflected in 
I don't think the wording, what then shall we say, reflects a rejoinder as much as it shows Paul raising the question as a bad proposition. He then rejects that proposition. However, the actual rhetorical approach is more complex, which we won't deal with here. Schreiner sees this as an issue often raised by Jewish Christians or non-Christians as a common complaint voiced against Paul's gospel. Ben Lesso finds Jews and Jewish Christians included in this questioning. Obviously, if the letters recipients are only Gentiles, those theories do not work so well. I eventually figured out that the Gentiles had formed a doctrine which had them committing sins in order to increase grace. The basis of that finding should be part of a subsequent video. Right now, I share the process of figuring out the starting point for understanding the letter. I read from the start of Romans through chapter 10. Upon reaching chapter 10, I started to wonder why the letter was speaking of Israel, so I started skimming backwards to get the context. Then I got to Romans 2, 1 to 2, and then realized a problem. Why is Paul judging the recipients so harshly? This was something that was mostly missed reading forward from chapter 1. This problem gets missed because the passage in Romans 1, 18 through 32 is so overwhelming. Some scholars still have recognized the power of the accusation in Romans 2, 1 to 2, even if only rhetorically. The emotional approach taken in Romans 1, 18 through 32 with the accusation in 2, 1 is described in Misreading Romans, episode 2. Paul's approach then reflected his need to use a forceful, radical approach to get the attention of the letter's recipients. If their judgmental attitude was so strong, then the letter's recipients would not likely be getting along well with those people, apparently being judged in Romans 1, 18 to 32. The idea became obvious then that those who were apparently being judged would have to be Jews. This idea is found because most scholars recognize first that the major portion of the church was of Gentiles. This is combined with other clues that some dispute occurred including that Paul had to mention specifically about Jews and Gentiles instead of just speaking of all saints in Rome. Thus, the following ideas joined in harmony to show the Gentiles as the only audience. Combining the idea of a majority of Gentiles in the church, plus the surprise judgmental words of 2 verses 1 to 2, joined with the Jew-Gentile language. There also are strong factors in Romans 1, the first 17 verses, and other areas of the letter to show these were Gentiles. That argument can be found in a study by Andrew Dowse, solving the Romans debate. These topics then represent only a sample of what I hope to share in the following weeks. Hopefully, these will make sense and contribute to your understanding of Scripture. Thanks for listening to the Bible Dialogues. Remember to comment, share, like, and subscribe.